Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast. This is Joey, as always. And uh, back to the skeleton crew, crew this week, we have Miles and Steve. Say hi, Miles. Hi, Miles. Very good. And Steve? Hi, everyone. I'm Steve. He's extra excited, as you can tell. It's <laughs> the worst part so, of the show. Yeah, I listen. You know, we make it work. So uh, I'm doing this from the middle of nowhere in the Catskills. So excuse any uh, lack of sound quality. But for the most part, we should be fine. And or animals in the background. But we'll make it work. We uh, we have a question we're going to get into. We have the, I guess, In the Heights postmortem. Now that it's... Uh, opened and somehow managed to fall into that weird in-between between success and tanking and all those other verbs. And uh, Miles has finally seen some Loki, so we can, uh, you know, hear him tell us why Ryan is wrong, I guess. I can do that all day. Yeah, I mean, that, we don't really need any help for that. But, you know, let's, uh, let's start with Loki. Why not? Since we did that already, we can, we can breeze through that a little bit. You've seen Loki, so uh, were you touched by the Loki pokey stick? Uh, that sounds gross and weird, so I'm not going to address that part directly, but I did see the first episode and I did really enjoy it. Um, I've heard a lot of criticism that it's very exposition heavy, but given the subject matter that we're dealing with and giving this sort of whole new branch of the Marvel universe we haven't really explored before, I feel like A, that's kind of necessary, and B, it was handled in a manner that I found engaging and entertaining. I love the whole aesthetic of everything it's very doctor who meets hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i love the aesthetic of you know we we're responsible for maintaining the fabric of reality but we've got to do it with fax machines and typewriters and stuff and everyone just treating it like a boring office job um mm. my favorite aspect of the whole thing was um this is a mild spoiler if you haven't seen it but there's the bit where loki finds the drawer full of infinity stones which are now apparently used as paperweights uh which yeah. just goes to show how much dominance the the time variance authority has over literally anything else we've encountered in the mcu before um the thing i found the most interesting is that there's been a lot of talk about the multiverse we're going to get the multiverse when's the multiverse going to happen people thought it was going to be wandavision i even heard theories of how the falcon and winter soldier was going to introduce it um it's expected to have play in the next spider-man and it'll definitely be here by the time we get to doctor strange 2 because it's literally called multiverse of madness but Loki seems to be the very obvious starting point for that, because what the whole notion of the sacred timeline suggests is that there hasn't been a multiverse up till now. There was back at the dawn of time or whatever, but then it got molded into the quote unquote sacred timeline. But my suspicion is that by the end of the six episodes, there wasn't a multiverse before, but there will be now. So from here, now you can get into the stuff where it makes sense to bring in actors from other Marvel movies, or it makes sense to go into the alternate Spider-Verses, or it makes sense to bring in the X-Men of Fantastic Four. However they want to approach it, I feel like this show is specifically about opening that door as opposed to doing kind of a backdoor thing that people were expecting when like Evan Peters showed up in WandaVision or something like that. Hmm. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, they they always seem to be hinting that the next show is what's going to change things. And that's the one that's, you know, going to move the needle and open up the, the next wave of movies. And they've all done something. You know, Wanda clearly sets up Doctor Strange. And, uh, I mean, 
Falcon and Winter Soldier set up a new Captain America movie we didn't even know existed. So they're doing it. It's just a matter of is it the thing you are expecting, I guess. Exactly. And also, I just want to shout out, I've never been the biggest Owen Wilson fan. I feel like he gives a very similar performance in most things, but I think he's absolutely nailing it in this. And I think he and Tom Hiddleston have great chemistry. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of been the highlight of the show so far. Uh, So I'm very excited to see that develop further. Do you have any concerns about it? Um, yeah, I mean, my concern with the previous two MCU shows is that they have a great buildup and they usually peak either in the middle or somewhere before the end, but then the final episodes don't quite match up with what came before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that this one breaks that trend because I think a problem I've had with a lot of limited series, especially in recent years, I think about stuff like Watchmen or Devs or Lovecraft Country, where they're really, really compelling and I'm really, really into them. And then they get to that last episode and it just doesn't quite match up with what's come before it. And it leaves you feeling kind of deflated about everything. And I definitely felt that way with WandaVision. Less so with Falcon and Winter Soldier, because I think even though the last episode wasn't the best episode, it was still solid overall. Um, so I'm hoping we don't get a repeat of that here. Um, but otherwise I think we're still too early into the weeds of, you know, setting everything up to fully know where it's going. I think the only disappointment I had from the first episode was the whole quick subplot about db cooper because that was something they really played up in the advertising and then it turns out oh it's just something that happened in the past he lost a bet with thor and he went a very specific bet where he had to go be db cooper um so was that how the bet was or was he i think think the the bet was that he had to do a thing like that and that's how the db cooper legend began it's just exactly yeah okay so i i was expecting that to somehow play into whatever gigs he's doing you know yeah clearly they're building up to him partnering with the tva and obviously you guys have seen one more episode than i have although i've seen that within 24 hours of recording this if not sooner um but yeah i think it's too early to really predict too much about where it's gonna go but i think there's a lot of opportunities and i think even if it doesn't necessarily fulfill a ton of promise on its own it's going to open the door to a lot of exciting things so i'm hoping for more db cooper type moments i'm hoping you know and People don't love Forrest Gump anymore, but I'm hoping they do a Forrest Gump type thing where you go, oh, shit, that's why that that's how this situation that never made sense to people that never had all the answers. It's, it's now we, we get it now. It was it was Loki all along. We're, we're going to see that it was Loki who uh, rewrote Forrest Gump as the curious case of Benjamin Button. There you go. Yeah, I think that would be very on brand for Loki of a lot of sort of urban legends or famous myths that we have throughout our history were the direct result of Loki sort of, you know, being a mischievous scamp, as they call him, and just sort of either meddling or doing something to protect the timeline. I think that would be great. And I would definitely love to see more of that. Yeah, just to add more of the mischief to the God of Mischief. You know, for the, sure. We haven't seen that yet, really. Uh, my concern yeah. is a little bit bigger. It goes out into not world building, but world destroying. When you start having world domination <laughs> and world domination, but shh, that's later. Um, as you start put, applying rules, face changing or shape shifting is one of them. Returning from the dead is another, uh, which has already happened. And then you have this. This world exists, or this the TVA is bigger than the Infinity Stones, which a few months ago, or a few well, a few days ago, were the biggest thing in in the universe for most people who who were fans. And suddenly, they're like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. 
we you know, it's like they they're just like almost an afterthought in this world in this existence it's a, a much bigger how to explain it but a, a much bigger thing um and by doing that you kind of diminish everything that happened before and say well if they wanted to they would just send send back agents to this time and fix this and fix that and once you start fixing things then you start breaking things then you know that didn't matter so much anymore because so I'm, I'm hoping what they don't do is undo something that meant a lot to people loki has to be dead when this is over this has to be the end of the loki character although loki is my favorite or one of my favorite characters in the mcu he needs to re, he needs to disappear and this will be the end of his story and we move on otherwise i i really would hope that i would i would prefer they did not i would go back in time and say don't make the loki series i mean he could end up just an agent of the of the time council you know they that's, just that's, that's fine what he does now it's some kind of an alternate loki but i don't want the loki that was killed by thanos to to uh i don't want that to to suddenly not matter Sure. Every time you watch Endgame now, you can say, or was it Endgame or Infinity War? Infinity, uh, Infinity War, War. Oh, he Infinity gets War. killed, yeah. But every time you watch that going forward, you're like, well, now Loki's back. So this so moment what does it that crushed me is like, yeah. So that's. I, yeah. I, I definitely get that concern. I think we kind of touched on that last week a little bit. The yeah. idea that with every new project, they're kind of undoing some of the sacrifices or some of the goodwill that Endgame sort of built up. The only thing I would say about that is that you do get a line here where. Um, Loki sort of criticizing the Avengers for doing exactly what he did and going back in time and messing with things. But uh, Gugu Mbatha-Raw sort of interjects with, no, the Avengers were supposed to go back in time. That Them going back in time is part of the sacred timeline. So it, to that extent, I don't think anything that happened in Infinity War or Endgame is going to be undone, especially because the, Hulk has that line in Endgame where any time changes that they happen aren't about undoing things that happened in the past. They're about changing the future, which is now the past, which will then progress to the... So you know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah. doesn't undo stuff. It just True. alters things for the future reality. So in that regard, because this isn't the pure version of Loki. This isn't the Loki that we then saw in Thor the Dark World and Ragnarok and so forth. This is a variant of the version that we last saw in the original Avengers. So I think variant Loki could very well, you know, go on and just be part of this sort of side thing of the MCU. Like I could easily see a season two where something he does, does create the universe. And season two is about him and Owen Wilson sort of working behind the scenes to clean things up. But that said, you can still have that happening without, for example, Loki and Thor ever interacting again. You don't yeah. need that. And I think I would be happy with that sort of balance where we can have a version of Loki out and about, but it doesn't have to be the main one and it doesn't have to undo sure. his finale from Infinity War. It's kind of like the new comics they put out, like Doctor Who has um, like a whole series about the uh, the 10th Doctor and the 11th Doctor, but they don't meddle with what has been established. They just were things that occurred, you know, but that you didn't see. Well, now you're getting access to them. That's fine with me. What I don't want is fan service. There's a big thing online. If you follow like any, any of the MCU boards, bring back Tony Stark. And I think you probably heard about the bill. Yeah. Board. Yeah. Enough. I don't, I, I don't, don't do ever that. want Tony Stark to be brought back from the dead. That would be a big faux pas for me. If you're going to bring someone back, it should have been decided years ago. And that's fine before they died. Not because the fans want so. And that's my only concern here is, is we get something that, cheapens it 
I love Loki. I'll take 10 seasons of this so far. I just don't want it to uh, to hurt anything that has been established before. And there yeah, you go. Fair enough. I'm fair, fair enough. That's how I work. Yeah. So all that to uh, bring up, we're uh, we're talking more about Owen Wilson now. So good good thing you mentioned that one sentence about him, or we'd be screwed. <laughs> so uh, Ryan McDermott's question: uh, Film Hall Face Off is actually an Owen Wilson Face Off. Oh, okay. So we can all go. Wow. 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 Money to me. Our, is it just uh, me, or like, does his nose look more askew than it usually does in Loki? I feel like it's gotten bit. bent slightly further somehow. You know what it was? I think it was the lighting because I saw it might that have been too. the lighting, but I like there's scene that scene like, in the Whoa. church in particular where it's like cut in half almost. It looks very bizarre. You know what? I applaud yeah. that guy though because he's got plenty of money, and if he's just confident enough to to deal with whatever i don't know if, if that's what god gave him or if that's something that happened in a i mean listen he changes he changes that nose he's luke wilson i applaud that because people change their noses and everything else all the time well according to imdb usually declines to discuss the source of his distinctive looking nose which was broken twice was there you apparently go the result of a football injury attained while on the football team in high school i blame luke yeah luke was on the other team <laughs> It does three. All three brothers had played high school football. The elder Andrew with the greatest success. Who also carried a hammer. Well, there you go. Hmm. Indeed. Now, as for questions. First up, Wedding Crashers or Zoolander? I'm going Wedding Crashers. I was never a huge Zoolander fan. Oh, interesting. See, I would definitely go Zoolander. That, to me, is one of Ben Stiller's most successful movies, I think, because I'm not usually a big fan of him either. But that one is just, I feel like everyone who's in that is at the top of their game. And I think it still holds up today. The sequel is a pile of trash that we don't need to talk about. Wedding Crashers, I've seen once and it was fine, but I've never, ever had the desire to go back to it. Yeah, I mean, I don't love either. Um, I was a 40-year-old virgin person as opposed to a Wedding Crashers person that year. And Zoolander's fine. I guess I'll go Zoolander. Wedding Crashers, I do like the beginning before like the actual story pops up. Um, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll go we'll go Zoolander, but not by much. Kind of an indifferent one. Speaking of, Cars or Night at the Museum? God. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is like the nightmare. <laughs> Daddy, can we watch Cars or Night at the Museum? And I'm like, can you just go to bed? Just, can, we can we just not watch a movie museum? tonight? Yeah. Night at the Museum Battle of the Smithsonian? Go read a book. Uh, um, it's cars. You know it's what? Cars. I'll go with I will go with Night at the Museum because uh, Robin Williams is in it. And of him. Of him. And but I'm not a fan of anything to do with cars in general. So Fair. Not You're a, a horse and buggy man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I saw I saw a thing online um, earlier this week, actually, that was like, can we talk about Mater from Cars for a moment? He lives in a junkyard in the Cars universe. That's like living amongst like corpses and desecrated bodies. The Cars universe is terrifying if you give it more than 20 seconds of thought. So for that oh, yeah, alone, a... I'll go with uh, Night at the Museum. And again, Robin Williams, it's got a good cast, even if most of them are not put to particularly good use. Yeah, I mean, there is a uh, I think in Cars too, a human bathroom. Which oh. puzzles me to no end. How does that? I don't even want to know. Yeah, I don't. I think it's probably best not to not to think too much about it. Quite. Meet the meet the parents or meet the fuckers. Oh, meet the uh. parents. 
Meet the Fockers is horrible. It's not as bad as Little Fockers, though. No, <laughs> no, no, I, it's not. You know, it's sad that you can say that. That's just something worse than Meet the Fockers. But yeah, Meet yeah. the Parents. Meet Meet the Parents is legitimately good, though. Yeah. I think all three of them are terrible, but I guess I'll go meet the parents by, oh, you know, sure. the worst or the best of a bad bunch. Why do you One hate my the parents so much? What, like, yeah. I, I hate Ben Stiller playing it straight. I think he's the worst straight man that you could possibly have. I think De Niro's phoning it in. I don't think I, I don't think there's a single good joke in that movie. I my my grandfather for months would regale people with the story of watching that movie and the cat in the litter box and the with the uh the ashes scene yeah. he was enamored with that scene so i always enjoyed that the setup i i'm not a, you know, a huge fan of it but i enjoyed it but those sequels yeah. have ruined it i can't revisit yeah, yeah no it was a it was a it was a watch once experience yeah all right you were good you behaved the royal tenenbaums or midnight in paris Hmm. that's a better one that's a good one it's also the last one miles um i think midnight in paris is probably the last good movie that woody allen did but i also have trouble going back to any woody allen movie these days so i think i'll give it to the royal tenenbaums which is legitimately one of wes anderson's best earlier films if it helps i'm going midnight in paris that that (laughs) that only makes it worse i i'm a big fan of both um, if I'm gonna revisit one tonight, it would be Royal Tenenbaums. So I will go with Royal Tenenbaums. Fair enough. All right, part two. We have another mount that we're crafting. Choose the four heads that will go on Mount Crushmore. Movies that feature a giant monster, robot, or alien. Oh, I thought you were gonna talk about oh. people were crushing on. Jeez, like, oh. that's a tough one. <laughs> we- we Wait, so so giant monster or alien? Yeah, or robot. I think something that like crushes the city type thing. So it has to be oh. a giant something, not just like smaller aliens. Well, it's Mount Crushmore, so I don't think like the xenomorph was crushing much. Do we have Maybe a little, so, crushing people's skulls? Anybody? Do we have a few? You know, I was about to say yeah, because that is a giant open-ended category. I mean, I didn't write the question. Well, I'm not going to step up your game. Be more specific. No, um, yeah. well, surely Giant monster movies. Well, okay. Before we get into that, surely Godzilla has to be on there, right? It would be fraudulent if it wasn't. I mean, Godzilla and King Kong. I think both have to be on there. Yeah, agreed. The originals for both. I don't think we need to get into yeah. the weeds of what's best out of the sequels or whatever. And then I think you do uh, Cloverfield. Um, let's hear some more options, but Cloverfield's in contention for sure. Um, I'm trying to. Th- uh... Oh, you know what we can do? Jurassic Park. With that pretty count? Um, mm, that's city crushing. Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim I would get my vote. No, no. Pacific Rim is great. No, no. I don't care for it. Host? Care for what it. about a host? Host? That's a good one, but that's a relatively smaller monster. Yeah, Cloverfield, like, I think, is a good modern pick. Yeah, um, I don't dislike Cloverfield. Um... <laughs> I'm I mean, if we're being, if we're being, if we're expanding enough, Jurassic Park might work. Otherwise, you know what? Could also, if you want to be weird, go the Iron Giant. He does um, crush some stuff. I love the Iron Giant. Um, yeah, no one said it has to be evil. Sure. Yeah, you yeah. just yeah. It's a great film. Um, that was pretty quick. So, so what do we land on then? Godzilla, King Kong, Cloverfield, Iron Giant. I don't know about Cloverfield. 
I'd yeah, I'm on Pacific the ring over rim over. I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I veto Pacific Rim. I don't like it. Oh, so if you got another option, I'm all ears. I'm, looking, I'm, looking. I'm sure I'm sure we can come up with another one. Um, I mean, the other ones they're showing me, I don't like, like, I don't like Colossal. What about oh, see, I, I love Pixel. Colossal, but it's not nearly oh, iconic yeah. enough to be on there. Colossal. Kind of like I like that. I mean, I mean, we can go War of the Worlds and go Aliens. Mm. Go the original one. I don't know. I'm kind of liking that Colossal pick. Colossal's I mean, weird yet. enough to be different. Yeah. Well, okay, Joey, Colossal or Pacific Rim? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Colossal, <laughs> fine, whatever. Hey, someone's got to scalp this for about 14 years, so choose wisely. Yeah, right. These are being made, right? Yeah, no, they're all being made. Oh, great. Can't wait to take the kids. Yeah. Monsters vs. Aliens, the cartoon. Nah. Right, well, I didn't I didn't make a question, so there you go. I think it's, yeah, Pacific Rim, you have um, Cloverfield, and you have Colossal are your remainers, remainders. You could also make mm. an argument for Ghostbusters because Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. I, I'll oh, take that yeah. one. I'll do that. You know there what? We go. Let's go. Problem Let's solved. go with that. That's a great. great we did it. All right. Sorry, cool. Cloverfield. Success. Now, moving from a success to something perhaps less of a success, not what? not critically or audience-wise, but in terms of uh, dollars. Of what do you speak? In the Heights, which. Uh, Perhaps did not reach the heights of uh, box office love. So here, let's pull up the numbers right now. For those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, In the Heights came out on Friday, and it did fair. Like, for back of a better word, it just, it did fair. On the lower end of expectations. Yeah, depending on who you are, you could make the case that it did about what we thought it would, or you could make the case that disappointed... You know, that's that's the thing. I think when buzz is involved, a lot of times you start to dream on the higher end of things where realistically, if you look at what the box office has looked like so far in the last, let's say, like two months since things came back, the big spectacle is is helping, but also genre is helping. So like the things that have been hits mainly were A Quiet Place Part Two and, and Godzilla versus Kong, right? Event type things. For most people, a musical isn't an event. So you had a genre issue. Um, Godzilla vs. Kong was available on HBO Max, but gave the sense of like, well, I gotta watch monsters on the big screen. I don't think people feel that way about musicals, rightly or wrongly. I think the running length was an issue. You know, long film. I can stay at home and watch that and pause it as I see fit. And also just, you know, who is the biggest name in that movie? It's Lin-Manuel Miranda probably, right? Or Jimmy Smith. I guess Lin-Manuel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when was that time Jimmy Smith opened a movie? What year is this? 89? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think people dreaming of the $20 million openings, $25 million openings, were, were always assuming that everyone is a cinephile who wanted to see this movie a year ago and saw the Broadway show. And you're, that's not who you're pulling from. So the fact that it opened to $11.5 million, still not bad. Kind of sandwiched right between the $10 million The Conjuring made and the $12 million The Quiet Place Part 2 made. So that's the thing. You're, you're, 
money-wise is fine. The problem is, what did it cost to make? What were they assuming they were going to make back when, you know, it was initially going to come out? You know, last summer, it probably thought maybe it could be a $100 million movie, maybe. And now it's going to make 30 I mean, it only cost about 55 to make. So, like, they're going to be fine. But I think the, the more immediate factor is it... it may have tanked its oscar hopes but in in non-pandemic times i would think this would make about 30 would be my guess uh, 30 i think opinions. it would it, i would definitely maybe. say that if it had come out if the pandemic hadn't happened and it came out when it was supposed to last summer i think it would do considerably better than now when movies are still opening to bigger numbers again but a lot of people are still hedging their bets for things that aren't part of a bigger franchise or don't have a big star attached to them or something like that so what's your number in, in non-pandemic time for opening weekend um i think 30 is fair i think because oh. Like we said, it doesn't have any big stars. You know, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a Broadway draw. And, you know, if you're a fan of the musical, I think the numbers reflect fans of the musical who, or fans of Miranda in general who are also comfortable going to theaters, which yeah. is not that big of a pool to draw from in the first place. That said, the buzz is positive, both from an audience and critical perspective. Most people, I know, Joey, you're not the biggest fan of it, but most people who have seen it have been raving about it. So I do think that this one does have the potential to have a f some legs, not to the point where it's going to be a massive success. I mean, Which normally, we're not going to get greatest showman levels of word of mouth, yeah, but I think I word of mouth could still carry it, especially because I mean, you, the next few weeks of stuff coming out, like F9, isn't really, you know, going for the same audience. Yeah, Black Widow isn't going for the have. same audience. I mean, you even could have the same, let's say, let's say everybody, the same amount of people who love The Greatest Showman recommend In the Heights. The difference is, so I tell you In the Heights is great. You're probably going to venture out to see it in the theater. I tell your aunt that In the Heights is great. They're going to watch it on HBO Max. She hates the theaters. Yeah, well, that's the thing. The more yeah. the more you broaden your audience, the more at this point the I mean, it's going to be there for thirty days. So by that point, are people going to still be no. thinking about it and talking about it? Isn't it losing screens though at the at the theaters? I think it's already going to be the numbers are going to drop this Wednesday. So probably probably going to switch right around the F nine. Yeah, because you're yeah. probably working. You're you're working on all these different restrictions. I they're not filling theaters right now. They're at limited capacity, right and so yeah, I think yeah. you're, this is not going to have the opportunity to have legs. It's not. It's going to be something people are going to watch. If it does have legs, it'll be on HBO Max, and then it'll be on on uh, digital or, or whatever uh, type home media service you you use or, or uh, medium. But I don't think it's going to have that opportunity to like Kong and uh, or Godzilla vs Kong because I there's too much out there right now, and they're going to say, hey, let's do another screen of of F9 and hope it sells, you know, 20%, 50% more than, than a film that already proved it's not going to make a ton of money. So oh, of course, like yeah. listen, the, the theaters a are not in, lost. Yeah, well, the and not, not to mention of, that uh, F9 has already been doing spectacularly well overseas. So yeah. I think that one's already poised to be potentially the biggest hit of the year so far until we get Black Widow and onwards and onwards. So yeah, I think that could very much suck the air out of the room. You're totally right about that. So what did you think of it, though? I, I know I've heard rumors online that you liked it, but I so 
me personally, it's my favorite movie of the year so far. And that's saying oh, something wow. because I'm not normally a musical guy. Um, but I just thought it was super infectious. I thought all the songs were catchy. I didn't notice the runtime at all. I think all the actors in it deserve to go on to be big stars. It's It wasn't one that I was anticipating. I was expecting to go and be like, oh, that was pretty good, or oh, I didn't hate it. But I surprisingly loved it. it. The emotions hit me at all the right moments. I was, you know, I was bopping along with the songs. I thought it was made very well and realized for the screen. I think the biggest thing that I hate when I see movie musicals is ones that just feel like somebody taped the stage version mm-hmm. like they don't take opportunity of the stuff that you can create from cinema and this is one that felt very cinematic and very visually dynamic in a way that you couldn't really realize on stage i've even heard from a few people who did see the stage version that they like the movie better for that exact reason because it's much more visually interesting than the stage version that they saw yeah, my I, mean, take- I could see that. I could, I could see it being. Sorry, I was just gonna say. I think I could see it being on stage a very simple experience. Not that the themes aren't yeah. complex, but I think the delivery of it is is close to on the nose. You know, it's not shying away from being about what it's about. But I don't think there's a ton of nuance, which is not really a huge deal. I think musicals work best when they're not necessarily like targeting something too specifically, and they can be broader. But yeah, I think visually this was helpful. I, I mean, I'm hit or miss on the visual just because I think um, the director did not uh, handle the smaller stuff as, as well as the bigger stuff. But that's a, that's more my... Like what kind of small stuff? Sort of, what do you mean? So like I... May, and this could also be expectations to some degree, like hearing about the raves, you know, way in advance. But for example, the, the, the opening number, really good. No, no issues there. Um, but then everyone raves about the the grandma scene, right? The big, the big like her number. It's, it it didn't strike me as anything special because I don't feel like the individual non musical scenes where you get to know her like particularly gave me that much. I didn't. I don't. I don't think I learned much about the characters beyond the very basics yeah. that I was meant to. And like, listen, I. I was not happy what happened to her but like i definitely <laughs> if you did you'd be an evil son of a bitch but hey. yeah exactly I'd, I'd be like the 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 unseen villain of the piece like aha i'm raising prices but no like you know the um the other characters i think had more of a through line that i was invested in so like i, I definitely enjoyed more of the scenes with the the younger people i suppose so did you anticipate that you knew going in there was a big scene with her or did um i had heard a little bit about like you know from from a couple of people and you know some of the people very very like i understand where they're coming from and like i tend to agree with them and then there were also people i'm like um i i feel like you may be trying to make this happen regardless because it's a it's a box to check off yeah which as we've yeah as we've spoken of many times like it's just it's icky to me when it doesn't feel when it feels disingenuous because i you know we want a wildly diverse group of nominees mm-hmm. but we also want the films and performances that we feel like are the deserving ones to get in so you want in a perfect world that to be a one-to-one ratio but it's it's not always the case and listen more often than not the academy has erred on the side of boring white men getting nominated so listen any change is still better but you know, if you, if you, you know, it all, it all comes back to like who, who gets the snub, you know, what, 
you know, if if a couple of years back it's Robert Duvall getting snubbed for the judge, nobody bats an eye, right? Nobody really liked that performance to begin with. Mm-hmm. But and I'm not talking about like the person being snubbed being snubbed by someone just for diversity's sake. But like for example, you know, how much more excited would we have been if Adam Sandler had gotten nominated a couple of years ago? And that's, that's and that's still a white man. Like it's not progressing the academy in any way, but when you're you know passionate about performance, you you still want that performance to get in. You still want you know movies directed by white men to be cited when they're good. You want a diverse group. And I mean, listen, there's also occasionally no pleasing people because In the Heights is still it's probably going to be the most diverse movie of the year, and is being hit for not being diverse enough. So we're you know it's a it's a it's a strange time. So. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that infected the box office. I feel like nobody no. was, but I think it. I think maybe once people saw that the movie was weak in that sense, oh, we can pile on, and that's that's not fun. But listen, I didn't dislike the movie. It's it's a good movie. It's just I I have uh, several things I like better. I can tell you exactly how many in one second. Uh, Four. I mean, um, you're just going to edit this, so I don't know why you're worried about it. No, I don't care at all. 15, hey, well, let me tell. Let me bring up 20, something else. Uh, you mentioned the the trailer. About twenty seven things is my number twenty seven move. Twenty seven or twenty eight of the year. It would be higher for me, but I've seen a lot less. But my, I am currently at one thirty four. Yeah, I'm at four. No, I'm kidding. Uh, my <laughs> anticipation for the film. I didn't know anything going in. And it reminds me of what you said about Loki. Because what I keep hearing about Loki is, oh, yeah, well, I saw the trailer and the trailer. I'm like, you know what? I don't watch trailers anymore. If I know I'm going to see the film or the show or the series, that's it. I, 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 I'll watch the trailer now after I've seen the episode. And uh, same with this. I knew I was, I knew from day one I was going to be seeing this. I saw the names attached. Um, it, it's a musical. It looked great. Sounded great. So I knew nothing going in. That scene did hit me. Um, what didn't work for me was a lot of... It's more about like the connective tissue. I love the opening scene. The first 20 minutes, I was like, this is amazing. I can't wait for the rest of this. And then I felt a little disconnect. And then there's a great scene in the pool. There's a scene on the side of the wall. There's this, uh, the scene with him in the, uh, uh, the, the convenience store. You know, just some of the like scenes the when talking. Was... There's all these pieces at work, but for something, for some reason, it didn't all connect, and it had me at times saying, "All right, come on." And you know what? Maybe might have been. There's just so many stories too. If they... well, well, yeah. There's another thing, favoritism in the stories. Another thing I want to bring up that sort of ties into both of your points is that you know we talk about the movie being long at two and a half hours. The stage version is probably closer to three, maybe even more. So for all that's in there. Now? There is, but that's not even including the intermission. So there's well, no, I like, think, I think, I think on stage it's easier with the intermission because you kind of sit down for a whole. No, but I'm production. not. I'm not talking about the length. I'm talking about there's like 30 minutes worth of content that was either cut or condensed or trimmed. So potentially some of the stuff got lost. Is the stuff that might yeah. have made the uh, yeah, the abuela scene connect more for you, or some of the Maybe. stuff that I might mean... have uh, tied in the uh, the disconnected things that you're talking about? Sure. Though I would argue that you know some of the bigger numbers, I mean, don't move the plot along. So like. 
I'm sure it wouldn't. Uh, no, but I also know, I don't, don't really think it's a movie about the plot as much as it's just about sort of getting to no, know this it's community. Not. It's much more so, of a character piece than it is a this leads to this leads to this. Yeah, which is, I think, what makes the scenes that aren't musicals where it's just like a narrative scene feel kind of like thrown off. And that's that's what I think hurt yeah, my I, pacing. I kind of is like, yeah. so... You know the the dinner scene where everyone's there and and uh, they have the fight over whether she's going back to school. Like that's a that should be like a big emotional moment, and it just all, there's no style to it all of a sudden. And I think because everything is very like showy up until then, uh-huh. it 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 throws you it, a little bit. You know, so you're focusing more. As as you as you were just setting this up, that's the exact scene that I was thinking of. And I was like, that yeah, like that it's... should mean more to me, and it didn't. So I was like, I, I'd almost actually hope it would rather have it cut. And maybe cut well, like a whole storyline out and streamline this for no, an hour well, and a half. I'm, and, and I mean, make I'm it... fine with. I like. I like her storyline. I, I think I like hers no, almost I, as much as anyone else's. I do as um, well. You know what the thing is? So, I think the thing is a lot of the most entertaining stuff is the easiest to cut. Like I know this is not going to be popular. You could cut the pool scene. It has no purpose in the plot. It's just ten minutes where people are singing and dancing. Like it's a fun scene. But it's. But it's not substantially different than any of the other big song and dance scenes. But it's a wonderful throwback to old yeah, Hollywood but musicals. But also well, nothing and I think else it, in the movie it, is again, an old Hollywood musical. Going and, back to it's about character, not plot. I yeah. think that very much informs the different perspectives of all the people in the ensemble. And you get to know them all better because you learn about what they would do if they got this money. Which then, I mean, when you find out what happens with the money and what ends up, you know, what it ends up going towards, I think that hits harder because it's not yeah. going towards any individual selfish desires it's going towards something more altruistic without giving anything away I so sure. like, listen, even though no, it doesn't there's... it doesn't progress the plot in a traditional sense but it informs the world and it informs the characters which if we're being honest is what most musical numbers in any musical are there for they're not always plot beats there this tells you more about the care this character or this tells you more about this situation oh, yeah. listen, or how many, this how is many, everyone many... chiming in about certain issue exactly how many numbers in a in a musical are your introduction to a character you know, exactly their song. that's what the fucking cats is is just introductions well cats is cats is well cats is a perfect example of how to do it wrong Only exactly do one thing a million times listen we're, we're we're you know grasping at straws i mean listen if we were all warner brothers executives and we were brought this film you know two years ago or whenever they first saw the first cut you know we're all still on like, okay, we can do something with this. You know, it's just, it's the difference of like, you know, Miles may not tinker with it. Steve may tinker a little. I may be more of a like, you know, non-monster Harvey Scissorhands about it. And like, I see a different movie in here. Let's see if it's better. And, you know, maybe it's not. Like, I don't know better. I don't know enough to say that I'm right. But I do think that there was, um, there's probably another version of this movie that I like as much as everyone else does. Well, you know one thing I'll say, because we're talking about, you know, the scenes like the dinner scene, which I don't disagree with. I think those scenes don't have the same verve or the same kinetic energy that the numbers do. I think with many other musicals that I see, and it's part of the reason why I'm not super into the genre as a whole, is that a lot of the time I'm more into the in-between beats and I kind of just yeah. muscle through the musical numbers. This was a movie where I was kind of muscling through the dialogue scenes so we could get to the next number. Yeah, I mean, listen, exactly. I, I dislike both parts of The Greatest Showman equally, you know, and Cats, so like that. But, you know, I mean, La La Land's a very different movie, so anyone comparing the two is kind of like, 
apples and oranges. Well, La La Land barely fits into the mold of a conventional musical. The second half of it is barely a musical with like one or two exceptions. It is is a movie that that does the in-betweens very well because the in-betweens is most of the movie. Yeah, exactly. Uh, And arguably, you know, the... Of the numbers, there's only a couple that are like big showstopper. Like I love this this number because they're not meant to do that. Well, so, honestly, you know, they, they front they're, load they're, a lot of that. The biggest ones, to, I think, are the first few, and then after that, they become much more subdued. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a, I mean, and, and we can get into like there's a narrative theme to that. Like as the seasons change, like every, you know, the the sure, movie sure. is changing in the movie. So like there's there's a method to Damien Chazelle's madness. And I oh, and I love I love La La Land. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying structurally, it doesn't well, it's, yeah, like it's anyone making the comparison. It doesn't fall into the traditional musical no. tropes. It's much more about being a movie and telling a story yeah. first and then oh, fitting yeah. and the listen, songs in around that. I think what it comes down to for me is just like John M. Chu probably wouldn't have been my choice to direct the film. Um, I mean, I, I'm I'm not a step up expert. So if somebody is a big like step up fan, maybe they can tell me that they saw it in him. But like they're whatever and crazy rich Asians is solid like i i just there was something about the direction where the the in-between scenes just didn't like i'm not gonna say they were second unit but like it almost felt like they were second unit and like maybe this maybe like lin-manuel should have directed it like maybe you just need someone to be invested in the entire story equally i don't know i don't have an answer i'm just sort of working through why i was you know liking it as opposed to loving it yeah, the overall, I think it's going to make like the movie or dislike the movie or somewhere in between. Um, it's going to make a great highlight reel. Um, there are so many amazing scenes and shots just beautifully done. Uh, the colors, the cinematography, everything about it, the choreography um, all together just make for a, a great experience. And that's the thing. I can't, even if I hated the narrative... I couldn't give this a, a terrible grade because of the things it does right. But no, you can't. You can't hate something yeah. that's that's this um, altruistic. I think in its approach, like it's yeah. it's 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 very very much designed to be likable, and it is likable. You know, you can have quibbles with the the presentation while still you know respecting the, the product, and I and I certainly do. I, I will say I can I can certainly wait as opposed to can't wait. For the inevitable, like West Side Stories, there's so much. Like I, I just, I can't. I, I, I'm, I'm gonna hate when we argue about that for two episodes. Once that one comes out. Oh yeah, all I was gonna say is because we've been talking. There's the narrative that already exists this year that there's several musicals coming out. Only one of them is gonna be a major Oscar player. I, I think it's yeah I, first off I completely agree I don't think I don't think you can pigeonhole it like that but also yeah. I think you know people are rushing to write the narrative in one direction or other I think it's still way too early to make any kind of judgment call because lesser movies have overcome bigger obstacles than this one will face both with the early release date and the low box office all I'm going to say on the subject is that it deserves to be kept in the conversation. Whether it makes it all the way remains to be seen and depends more on its competition than anything else. But I don't think it can be dismissed, and I also don't think it can be called a guarantee. The, the main issue I think it's going to have is because it was presented as a you know potential smash hit $100 million movie. And when you do that, so you got to remember, at the end of the day, you're appealing to the Academy. 
And some of them are very clued in and some of them are not clued in. I would say most of them are aware of this movie's existence. It's a big movie. Even though it's not like a huge movie, like comparative to what we've had out. It's a big movie. If you if you heard in passing it's going to be a smash and you went and looked at the box office and saw $11 million, suddenly you're you're confused about that. So I think that's the biggest damage it had awards-wise is that the expectations were a big hit and that it's not going to be that will, I think, linger in some people's minds, the people who that matter for. And those are the people who, you know, were in voting for a lot of the, the more esoteric fare that got in last year anyway. They, they're the ones who want to vote for the West Side Stories and the, um, you know, big studio productions of the, of the year. Now, you so wonder if, you, if Warner Brothers, if this is a success on streaming, does Warner Brothers finally pull back the curtain and say, is as a, a, a ploy to get, you know, be part of the awards? I, my game, guess is, do you tell your numbers? No. Say, you say no? No. I, 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 think... I will say this. I think if it had done so much substantially better on HBO Max than it did theatrically, I think they would at least mention that it had done well yes, to save I face. Heard, but the fact that I they're not talking about that at all or like are sort of downplaying the success of that I suggests to me that it, it HBO Max wasn't taking away in any substantial yeah, way no, think... relative to like Conjuring or Godzilla versus Kong or anything no, else. No, no. I think I think there was a I don't remember where I saw it, but I think there was a report and you know, it's rumors that yeah, they weren't like bragging about the the HBO Max views either. But let's say that it had. Let's say they lost they left $20 million on the table, right? And it would have been a $30 million opener. Even then, you know, the the like whoever runs their awards campaign, you know, whoever's in charge of like that particular creative side of the business of Warner Brothers, they would want you to to know that. You know, they would want it right. to be like, oh, here's the numbers. Whoever is the the money person, whoever the actual head of Warner Brothers is, you know, we hear about who the person, you know, Kevin Sujahar, whoever the people who are making creative decisions are at the moment, we know those names. But the person who actually like is responsible for the stock would never allow it. That is the that is the death knell of them being able to like use the streaming service to their advantage. Once people know how many things are actually watched, look at what Netflix has patented. Yeah, we tell you things did good. Oh well, how good? Good. Like like, but how good? No, no, good. Don't don't worry about it. And the funny part is that I've talked to filmmakers, you know, who release their movies on Netflix and Amazon and all these things, and even they sometimes struggle to find out the numbers. Like they don't want them to know either. Yeah, really is interesting to me. Yeah, I have more to say about this, but I think we've said enough. Um, yeah, no, well, we're gonna we're gonna hit it again later. And like, listen, when Ryan's gonna, back. As, yeah, <laughs> when Ryan's back. Yeah, no, I mean, I think also just when we actually know, like we're you know, it's June. We haven't had Can yet, so like we're still in the first section of the year. We would have to you know start seeing it not show up anywhere. To know, okay, clearly this is not going well for it. Isn't it a great feeling it's though, still... right now, to to feel with a quiet place and now uh, this and and Black Widow coming out? It feels like a year again. It feels like this oh, a I summer. know. Like it's... this time last year was like so depressing when it really sunk in. Oh, we're just not getting movies this year, yeah. or they're all I mean, going to streaming. The ones we do get, it's been and nice Tenet. in the last, <laughs> you know, yeah, Tenet eventually. It's been nice in the last handful of weeks because we're not seeing like any like negative side effect. We're not hearing about like the spike because of movie theaters or anything like that. So 
Yeah, I think we've been we've also been trained over the last year to like be paranoid about any kind of like fun activity. There's got to be a downside. You got to pay the piper. And the fact that we're not really experiencing that, like I think New York, you know, New York and LA have their movie theaters open. New York's numbers were incredibly low recently, like under, it was like, it was like half of 1% or something like that was the positivity rate. It was here, the, as of yesterday, 0.59% in the city. So like we're doing something right and we can go to the movies. So that's great. I'm all about that. So yeah, it is nice to like be able to, enjoy the fact that people are going to the movies you know we'll get to the point soon where we'll be pissed that like one thing made more money than the other but like right now i think like the fact that there is a box office is good enough yeah it's it's, it's uh you know we're finally seeing seeing the end of this uh the hell that we've been in you know the idea that i'm mm-hmm. like planning on which film do we you know i'm worried that i might not be able to get tickets to to black widow because i might be out of town that week but i don't know exactly uh, I mean, that's true. And I'm like, like, shit, I can't buy tickets here I, and there. I was about to say, I do think whatever town you're going to also has movie theaters. No, I know. But you, I don't know for sure if I'm going there. So I don't want to buy them here and then not, you know, I don't want to pay double, essentially. Mm. I uh, will probably watch it on my computer when they send it to me. Mm-hmm. Crossing my fingers. Listen, I'll go to a screening for Black Widow, but. You know, I, honestly, they, that's the film I wanted to go back to the theaters to. Um, that's the one that, you know, I'm hoping everything's there. I keep yeah. saying this, but popcorn and the whole experience, not just I mean, I, sitting in a theater. Yeah, no, listen, I, I'm, I'm never going to beat my own, which was getting to see Spiral alone. <laughs> so, like, movie I wanted to see for a year. So I get it. Like, listen, if you can, if you can make it work, that is, uh, that is great. But haven't you already been back for one or two things? One, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean the whole. I, I want it to be the whole. For me, movie going is more than just you know seeing the movie. It's going you, family you want or the friends. Back, and, you want the backseat handy. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, exactly. No, come on, man. Okay. You're rooting this. This is a family. No, there is, no. I think I you're absolutely the right. There's a whole experience that comes with there it, and there's the popcorn and the soda and the, you know, the going with friends and there's you know everyone quieting down when the sound comes around you. Like, there's more to it than just the size of the screen. Yeah. No, I know. I I, I gotta say though, when you were when you when it sounded for a second like you were agreeing with me, I was so delighted that you were about to like filibuster on like, no, 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 you need you need the hand job. Like, how can you not? That Depends on been, the movie. Uh, Sometimes it'll liven up a bad screening. I'm oof. I have I'm I'm tempted to because we're gonna wrap up now. Be like you know say where you can follow you and <laughs> say the movie where someone gave you a treat because <laughs> I just want to know what movie you needed to have livened up. Oh, I'm... Jonah Hex. <laughs> that that is. How many did people start tell, turning tell to watch me you I'm instead? wrong that that movie needs livening up. I mean, I, 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 it's awful. So yeah, um, I. It wasn't from I a stranger. Or, let me put it that way. Well, no, I didn't think the guy next to you turned up, walked over, and was like the movie sucks. You want to do this instead? And you're like, I guess it's better than Jonah X. Like, it's either this. It is. It's either this or walking out of the theater. So you know, let's go for it. And I already bought my ticket. I'm, I'm yeah. pot committed. No, but I. Yeah. No. Listen. Now I'm curious, Steve. I don't have any stories here. Oh, you don't have the right kind of fun at the movies. The, uh, I respect the sanctity Listen, of the movie theater. As do I. I would never do it at a press screening. That's that's wildly inappropriate. Um, but I will say years ago, when I was still just paying to see movies, I was with a, an ex 
and uh, we did do something once, and it, it is the most random movie possible. Actually, it was twice. It was the same day, two different movies, and I literally don't think you could guess if I offered you a million dollars, but I will tell you the year, okay? So I'll tell you the year. And I'll even tell this, you. This is a line of conversation I definitely did not mean to initiate, so I'm sorry, <laughs> I know, everybody. But you did. So now <laughs> what we're doing it. done. So it was like it was late 2009. 2009. And Glorious uh, Bastards. No, remember it, it, it. It's probably going to be something we weren't enjoying. Oh, uh. Well, I don't remember bad movies by year. Fair enough. I mean, you can make whatever, uh, whatever um, guess you want. Hmm. They're very dissimilar films. Lovely Bones. <laughs> that would be a good. Oh, Around that time, that'd be hilariously appropriate. And very close, but no, we didn't do it. But you're on the right track, actually. I'm looking up worst movies of 20, 2009. I don't think they're either on going to be on the worst list. They're just inappropriate for this, and also were not thrilling us. I'm still gonna look it up. All right, I've had it for a minute, and then I will reveal the two, and then we'll close up shop. Please uh, email in and uh, leave us a comment on Twitter if this is the kind of content you want to hear on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, listen, would you rather do season two of Sugar and Spicy? Crickets. No. There you go. Those are your options. I mean, you, oh, and you already and you already uh, vetoed the uh, Ellie Kemper or, uh, Hitler Power Hour. Well, she apologized for that. I don't think we need to keep beating her up on that. Yeah, listen. All right. I do. I did like your immediate like response at the time. Well, oh yeah, in the moment when you find that out for the first time, it's like, oh no! But it doesn't. And on reflection, it doesn't seem as bad as it initially did. I did like the oh no followed by do you want to write a sitcom about? Oh no 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 fuck you no 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 no. No, my my sit my perv sitcom days are over. He says now. All right, I have no more guesses. Yeah, all the all the ones I'm seeing definitely came out in like January February. Angels and Demons. No, but that would again, have been a right summer track. movie. I want to say the uh, the afternoon movie was it's complicated. Oh uh, yeah, I wouldn't have guessed yeah. that. Yeah, I, and then old the dogs. Movie, no, okay, but almost as depressing. The road. Oh, oh. god, <laughs> <laughs> depressing for very different reason. Oof. Yes, listen, didn't say I was proud of it. Anyway. On that disgusting note, we can close up shop. Miles, say where they can find you and, uh, you know, present some other wildly inappropriate bit of information. Okay, well, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at MilesOnFilm. That's at M-Y-L-E-S on film. Uh, Please check out my short film, American Exorcist, which I wrote and directed. It's on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures. Also check out my other recent short film, Once Upon a Dracula, which I co-wrote and starred in. Uh, That's also on YouTube under Chase Capo, who is the director. Um, Something weird about me. I feel like I already told too much with the Jonah Hex thing. But um, um, I don't know. This is way too broad. Give me something more specific (laughs) to work with. Uh... What was the first R-rated movie you went to see in the movie theater? Okay. Oh, I'll have to think about this. Um, 
It would have been something my dad took me to because I remember that was our thing when I was, you know, 11 through 13 was like, you know, if I did my chores for the week or whatever, um, I get treated to take me to like rated movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't I know the Show first one that I was like excited for um, him to take me to was The Matrix Reloaded. Um, oh, because that, because I was young enough not to know better. Well, I think yeah. we were all excited before we saw it. Um, yeah, I'm going to say The Matrix Reloaded. That's the first one that I have like a distinct memory of seeing in the theater. Sure. <clears throat> That's rated Steve. R. All yes. right. My name is Steve. You can follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Filmsnork. And uh, strange thing, um, I kept my pants on during Jonah Hex. Your loss. Yeah, apparently. That is, I know, it's a strange uh, thing. I, yeah. You should have seen the people and, around me. Oh, boy. And on that note of indecent exposure, you uh, can follow me at Joey Magidson, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, uh, OnlyFans if things don't go well this week, and uh, at Awards Radar on all of those platforms. First, <clears throat> first R-rated movie. Definitely with my grandfather. I'm gonna probably say might have been Gangs of New York, but I feel like it had to have been older than that in a theater. When was Gangs of New York? Uh, two thousand two. I want to say that would make me fifteen. Yeah, I probably saw something before that. When is the girl next door? That was that was after. Yeah, so well, I'll say Gangs of New York is my placeholder, but there probably was something before that. So even then, R-rated movies, but make it Oscar. It's very on brand. All right, well that'll do it for uh, this week. We'll be back next week, probably with a bigger crowd, and we'll probably be wrapping up Tribeca at that point. I'm knee deep in that right now, and it's uh, fine. I guess. I did just watch the Anthony Bourdain documentary and that wrecked me. So that's why I'm a little out of it. Oh, real quick. Keeping with the tradition now of every episode, us remembering something right when we sign off. Uh, yes. rest, rest in peace, Ned Beatty. Yeah, no. Oh Otisville. God. He's gone to Otisville. Or Otis. Yeah. Or Otisburg. Um, I don't remember which one it was. I think it's Otisburg. Otisburg? Otisburg. Oh, come on, Mr. Luthor. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Rest in peace. And on that note, we'll be back next week. Thank you guys for listening, and we look forward to the new episode. I hope you do too. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.